kid. Hello, I am Sammy Eisenberg. We are here this week with Bobby Tewksbury. So who are you and what are you doing right now? I am Bobby Tewksbury and I'm sitting in your kitchen right now. <laughs> what I mean by right now is uh, what are you uh, working on right now, really? Uh, in in general, I'm working on, um, I mean, hitting is my thing. That's what I'm most known for. We have some bigger projects that we're working on, but hitting understanding the kind of what goes into swing performance and hitting in real game situations, like what actually drives performance, trying to understand that better and a more deeper holistic point of view. So uh, are there any like um, machines that you're using to measure like hitting uh, data? Yeah, we use a lot of tech. So we have, uh, we've had hit tracks for almost three years now. We use it every day. We track almost every batted ball at our facility. We have K-Motion. We have Diamond Kinetics. We use a body track. I have a push band. I've got grip strength measurement stuff. I've got finger pressure measurement stuff. Uh, I've done stuff with Live Athos, which is EMG, measures the muscles, the muscle activity in your swing. So, yeah, we, we use quite a bit. Um, a lot of lot of data to try to understand. So talking about the uh, K-Motion, what exactly is the K-Motion? So you got to experience K-Motion over the summer, and then you got to experience K-Motion again yesterday, and you got to you got to use the new tiles feature, which is tremendous because it gives you data as you swing. Uh, K-Motion looks at it's it's like a 3D body assessment of how you're moving. So there's four sensors. There's one that goes on the on your pelvis, kind of imagine if, like where your tailbone is. There's one that goes on like a backpack and it goes kind of between your shoulder blades. There's one that goes on your lead arm above your elbow, kind of like below your tricep, and then one that goes kind of on the back of your hand. And it it's a it's a motion tracker. It it measures what your body's doing. It can look at your movement in three planes of motion. So uh, when you look at your hip movement, it looks at your rotation, your side bend, and the tilt. And it, it tells a really big story about what's happening in your swing. With your swing yesterday, we saw that you were you were getting your hips closed like 45, 50 degrees in your load, which is more than I generally recommend. I usually look for 20 to 30. And then when you were swinging, you were making contact at like 45 to 50. So you're turning 90 degrees, but you weren't getting through the ball. You're getting really stuck. And the tiles feature, it it gives us that data immediately right after the swing. So it's pretty incredible. The old way, you had to take a series of swings, and it gave you the you, – you had to take it like five, ten swings, and then stop and then look at it. Now you can take one swing, look over and say, hey, my hips turned this many degrees right away. And it's really powerful because it allows you to make adjustments much, much faster. So talking about uh, me getting to use the K-Motion uh, yesterday and what we found – is that my hips were not um, as mobile as we thought they were, so to say. So well, Brandon told you you had uh, internal hip rotation yeah. limitations, like pretty. You were at like twenty degrees of internal rotation with your with both legs. So yeah, you had some pretty significant limitation there. 
So, uh, especially for hitting and also just in baseball in general, how important it is, is uh, having good hip mobility and just mo- good mobility in general? I mean, uh, it's pretty important. I think a lot of hitter style that you see. So when you watch a hitter or any athlete move, they, they're the, what they look like, their style is kind of displaying what their body's capable of doing. So sometimes a hitter style is masking it. It's like putting a band-aid on a problem. And if you have really, really big limitations, you might be putting stress on your body that can cause injury over time. It might not show up right away, but over time you can cause injury. Um, with hitting, because you're, you're looking at direction, like the ball's coming from the center of the field, you have to be able to turn your body in certain ways. There's, there's ranges that you kind of have to fall within. So if you can't turn and can't move effectively, you can, you know, if you get assessed and, and find a limitation, it can really help improve your performance. So it's, it's pretty important. So kind of getting out of the, uh, K motion, and I really wanted to talk about approach because I know I have um, a different approaches for different, uh, not really situations, but different times in the games. So um, working with a bunch of pros and, of course, working with a bunch of like high schoolers and college and just kids in general. So what do you see as like the big, the biggest differences between their approaches? I think the the pro hitters um, they understand how pitchers are trying to get them out. So. They have that in the back of their mind when they develop their approach. They know what their strengths are and they know what their weaknesses are. And then they kind of match that up to what the pitcher can do. And they're looking for pitches that they can handle. And they really focus and commit to those pitches. Instead of trying to hit everything, they develop a plan and they're like, all right, well, against against this pitcher, I I may not be able to look on the inside part of the plate. I'm going to give them the inside part of the plate, sacrifice that, because if if he throws it there, I can't hit it anyway. And then they just they disregard that part of the plate and only focus away. Or they might look up or they might look down. They they understand what they need to do in a given at bat better than than the amateur players. Um and just in general, they're just better at timing. The better hitters are better at timing. If if you struggle to time the ball, if you struggle if you're like fouling off if you're late on fastballs consistently, that's a big problem. Um, <clears throat> if you're super early on fastballs all the time, that's a problem. If you can't wait when there's a slow pitcher, that's a problem. You, your timing should be adjustable. Good hitters hit everybody. They just they hit. Good hitters hit. And that's why I think looking at batting average is a negative. Sometimes batting average reflects good contact consistently. So I'm I I I'm friends with Steve Springer and I know his message and I understand what his message is about you know batting average is the devil and don't get it, it, I completely agree with him not to get caught up in it because you it, you can hit the ball hard all day and get no hits so you have to keep your perspective but over the course of your career over the course of your life I think batting average <laughs> reflects your ability I really do because line drives go for hits way more often than anything else and good hitters hit line drives. So that had shows up. So uh, now getting back to uh, working with the pros. So in a podcast that I listened to with you also in it, and you said um, you work with back-to-back MVPs. So how was it working with back-to-back MVPs? It was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, those guys are special. <clears throat> and the thing, 
the thing about players like that is they're MVPs way, way before they were actually MVPs. It's the way they go about their business. It's special. It's different. They are so focused and so committed to every single rep because they know it matters. And it's something I see with the younger players at my facility all the time where they, they take reps off, right? They'll, they'll show up and their, their first round will be good. And then their second round is terrible. And I just say to them, like, well, why, where's the line? Where, where's the line of decision where you say, okay, I'm going to focus here, but I'm not going to focus here. If there's a line, if you, if there's ever a moment where you kind of relax mentally, it's going to show up in the game. It is, it's going to show up. So in your training, you can't allow that to happen because you're creating habits. And the pro guys that I've worked with, especially those top tier guys, they just, they're so focused and they know every rep matters. And it's not in this like eyewash, like, oh, I'm working really hard. I'm going to tweet about it. It's just, it's a lifestyle. It's just who they are. It's not fake in any sort of way. It's just they live it and they, they approach their nutrition the same way. They sleep with intent. They, they work out in the gym with intent. They swing with intent. They throw with intent. They take grounders with intent. It's just who they are. There's almost every important season you ever play, there's going to be one pitch or one swing or one play that either swings in your direction or against you. Like you're going to look back on season and say, man, if we made that one play, we would have made the playoffs. Or if we made that one play, we would have you know, gotten over the hump. And you don't want that to be on your back. You don't want that to be your fault. So they know that. Like winning is hard at the higher levels. And they don't take it for granted. And they care. And that's that's what I see as different. So um last two questions here. So how um was it to pitch in the home run derby? I mean what do you mean? <laughs> well, um, A lot of I've, I get asked about this all the time. So what do you mean? <laughs> what part of it? Um, just the, the stage, you were on the mound pitching, uh, in one of the biggest stages in all of the world. Just how did, how did that feel, really? So, like, actually being out on the mound was very normal. Like, that was probably the most normal part of the whole process. Like, taking the bus to the field and, like, Jose Altuve comes walking down the aisle and, like, Felix Hernandez in the seat next to me. And like JD Martinez is chatting with me about like, Oh, how's your heart rate going to be? Give me a hard time. That was weird. <clears throat> I throw a BP every day. So getting out on the mound, I had a job to do. There was an umpire behind the catcher. There was a clock over his shoulder that I could see. And it was the first year of the new clock format. I mean, I just had to throw. I had to do, I did, I did focus on the target and throw. So th- that was the most normal part. <clears throat> the next day, Going to the world, going to the All Star Game, and I was up in like the third deck in, le- in left field, and I looked down and I was like, "This place is huge." I was down there. That was that was pretty surreal to be like, I can't believe I was the guy out there. That was that was strange. So, uh, last question here: Who is the best player you've ever showed uh, shared the field with? It can be same team or opposing uh, I'm team. Ready for this one? I listen to your podcast. <laughs> so the most. The most, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a twist on it. The most intimidated I've ever been on the field was Sam Fold. So, and I've told him this story. He, uh, Sam played in the big leagues. He was with the Cubs and the, the Rays and 
think it's the twins in Oakland. <clears throat> Sam's like five six. If he's listening to this, he's like five four. He's he's not he's not big. So I played against him in the Legion State Tournament. I think it was my junior year. It had to have been my junior year in high school. And he played at uh, Phillips Exeter, which is a prep school. And we didn't play them in high school. I didn't really know who he was. I was 16. He was 18. We never really overlapped playing. I really didn't know who he was. <clears throat> so we had a kid pitching. And I told I was talking about this kid yesterday. The kid that was pitching for us was like 92, 93 lefty. Nasty, big curveball, nasty changeup. Very good pitcher. Kid got drafted in college. He was like mid double A. He's very good. Not one player turned on this kid's fastball all summer. Like the whole summer. And this little tiny lefty comes up, like he's not big, and took a fastball off his shoe tops and hit it like 400 feet foul. I was like, what was that? I'm playing shortstop. I was like, uh, what was that? So next pitch, I see the catcher call changeup. I'm like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. He must have been guessing. He was sitting fastball and he cheated on it. This is going to be really funny. I think he's going to swing and miss, spin himself into the ground. <clears throat> Kid hits an opposite field double, smokes it to left center. So he stayed back on it, saw it, and I don't think I saw a kid hit this kid's changeup all summer. So he turns on the fastball that's 92, sits on a changeup and smokes in the gap oppo. He gets to second base and I'm like, hey man, like, what was that? Like, who are you? He's like, oh hey, what's going on? He's really polite. I was like, so like, where are you going to school next year? He's like, oh, I'm going to Stanford. I was like, S- like Stanford? Like that just playing the College World Series? He's like, yep. And then he stole third right away. He's gone. He just like disappeared. I was like, what just happened? I I couldn't like he was so fast and so quick and he could he could get to everything with his bat. He played like he covered so much ground in center field, like he could do everything and he was pint size. It was really, really impressive. Um I know him now <clears throat> just I've I've gotten to know him over the years and he works for the Phillies now. And I I've actually told him that story at uh Colabella's wedding. Last year, and he was like, that's really funny. He didn't remember at all. But it was just, for a guy that's that, just he's not physically imposing, but just like flies around the field. Like really like the, the toughest out imaginable. And that's that's my answer to that question. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome so much. Live, yeah. Unique New York. They got it. They did get it. Yeah. Sally sells seashells <laughs> by the seashore. How much wood can a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? They do it? Uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, any other? Donde esta la biblioteca? Uh, see, it doesn't know Spanish. Look at John did that. That's not terrible. Yeah. Okay. Donde Parma. esta? Parma. Okay, close enough. Ready? I hope you stop moving around the chairs. I hope you. I hope you include that in the real yeah, podcast. Yeah, all of this is going to be in for sure.
Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. Thank you, RPWOA, for the review this week. And don't forget to play ball, kid.